Wow, what a family. It is good to be here, good to be back. And of course, you know, with me is my brother, apologist in Detroit. But before we get into anything else, but with me is my we brother. are going to uh, look at the roots of racism coming at you. Yo, 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 what is up, family? Man, it's good to be here. It's good to be back. And uh, it's good to have uh, my brother in the house, uh, Mr. AID himself, apologist in Detroit. Man, it was so good to uh, be able to actually hang out with you last weekend. Uh, we had kind of a family reunion uh, and um, met a lot of bodega folks for the first time uh, in person. Uh, you know, we got this uh, this online party thing going on, but it was so nice to be able to hug people and and uh, bump into them, and you know, and just 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 be able to be with them in person under the same roof. And so, uh, but an instrumental part of that happening was uh, my brother here, uh, Mr. Chris Samuel. So, brother, why don't you let us know where you're from, what you do. Most of everybody knows you, but anyway, just, I mean, just for the for the sake of introducing yourself, brother. Well, hey, everybody. Y'all know it's me, uh, Apologist in Detroit, uh, a.k.a. Ancient Context in Detroit, a.k.a. Dr. Doom, a.k.a. a.k.a. No. <laughs> um, you know, I'm happy to be here. Um, not happy about the topic that we're talking about. What kind of mixed feelings about the topic that we're talking about? Okay, on one hand, it's like, um, my philosophy as far as doing apologetics and doing um, serving the church is largely to, um, to, to, to do stuff in areas that there aren't a lot of pe other people doing stuff or to do stuff in a way that's uniquely different than what other people are doing. And uh, this um, series that you got going on here, uh, Phil, is like, it's, it's, it's amazing in a sense that um, like you really pulled together a real, a lot of information to help people to process the roots of racism um, in America that is significantly important because uh, racism is a sin, it's evil, it's something that we all would, every person, whether they agree with uh, some of our uh, our other um, positions on these things, we all agree that racism is evil, racism is a sin. Um, so today, you know, this presentation is is really going to do, a, uh, I think, a phenomenal job of, of showing you where the roots of racism come from, showing you how racism spread so widely uh, throughout America, and, and to some degree, a little bit, although that's not what the purpose of this show today, talk a little bit of how um, problematic, you know, how you, how, how prevalent it is to, it is today, and, um, and, and maybe even touching on some of how um, we as the church can think about it and respond to it. So anyway, happy to be here. Um, you know, I told you before we came on, I you know my saying, America's filled with sociopaths and heretics. This show is a prime example of how uh, people who take the name of Christ can somehow, some way, think of themselves as Christians while holding um, widely divergent views from biblical ethics, heretics right. and sociopaths. Right, right. 
Yeah. So yeah, we're. I mean, uh, this this. I know the titles might be a little bit deceiving this time, but um, today we're actually going to focus more on. Then this, like like Chris was saying, this is going to be more of a series of, of videos, as opposed to just one jump because there's so much information. There's so much information about some of these things that we're going to be approaching. So some of the topics are things like uh, manifest destiny, which we're going to be talking about today. Uh, there's the, the 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 doctrine of discovery within itself, and anyone who's been looking at this channel or any of the any of the work of that I've been doing, especially in the past year and a half or so, um, you'll see that I've been doing a lot of study and doing a lot of work within the doctrine of discovery at large. So not only how it affects here in the Americas, which is our immediate context uh, for both apologists in Detroit and myself, and, um, and and for a lot of our viewers, but the the larger, broader, uh, the repercussions and the the things that the doctrine of discovery within itself has done uh, throughout any place that colonialism has touched within the the the, the world, uh, quite frankly. And so, uh, and then how these things are really setting the precedents and have set the precedents throughout the, the eons of history uh, and how things like racism are a lot more deeply embedded and enrooted in the culture at large than people may suspect. And so, that's why this 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 video so we're going to essentially look at it in three parts uh the, today we're going to look at manifest destiny uh then the next time uh and i'm hoping to I, we have uh mj jackson coming on that's next week um but sometime within in in july i'd like to maybe do it one one video a month so we could prepare and sort of get ourselves uh prepared as we go through the next time we'll be we'll be looking at lord willing we'll be looking at um the doctrine of discovery and then we'll be looking finally at the the more recent uh uh events that are happening happening within quote-unquote Christ christendom uh the christian nationalist perspective and how that is influencing and and how all of these things are you know people are trying to disconnect a lot of this stuff and say well and people are are, are flying uh, off and saying look I, we you know i don't want to be connected to Christian nationalism, but really it's uh, how this country has been, uh, how this country has, has been form, formed throughout a lot of its founding documents and those types of things, how there, there can be no separation from church and state, especially the way that these things have been, uh, been propagated and have been stood up. Um, and so there's, there, there's almost no way you can divide uh the the church and the state specifically because um you know things like christian <laughs> like your shirt <laughs> uh so you know these are some of the things that that we'll be looking at and and sort of you know un unfortunately tying a, a heretical bow on it um because these things you know concepts like Concepts that in terminology by and large that have been accepted by Christian society and, and, and the overall society, things like Christendom are heretical, uh, you know, things like Christian nationalism, 
all these things manifest destiny all of these things have been put in the 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 in through the eons of time and we're going to show that these are the roots of racism it's not just this thing that happened or that that we were fighting for it didn't just magically appear in the 60s in the 50s in the 40s these are all things that are deeply ingrained and deeply rooted in uh in this this whole grand scheme of things so you know i think that we have enough evidence to show that and we're going to try to systematically go through and point all these things uh you know point out all these things as we go through uh, so that's sort of the introduction as to how we're going to do things. So before we get too, too far, I want to give a shout out to uh, all of our folks in the live chat. I appreciate you all uh, being here with us. So Purple Pill Philosophy, I appreciate you already uh, dropping some some opinions here. Mr. Green, good to see you, Mr. Green. Man, I got to hug my main man, uh, CMB, the ambassador last week. It was so good to see y'all. Uh, uh, Kush Boss, hey, good to see you. Um don't smoke too much of that stuff. Bad for you. Uh, my man, SOC in the building. Good to see you, my man. Uh, go and check out SOC as well. And as well as uh, uh, CMB, the ambassador. Ph uh, phenomenal videos. Uh, CMB will be back one day, and I, I know he will, but you can catch him on some other platforms and stuff, along with B uh, BK Apologist uh, and, and some of those folks as well. Who else we got? Hey, B Moses, man. My, my man. My man. Go check out. B Moses, go uh, go to SoundCloud or any of your streaming platforms and check out B Moses. Make sure and give him uh, a like and a subscribe on any of those platforms. Uh, he's you know he's got a, a couple songs right now, some amazing stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see you, brother. So a shout out to you, LJ. Well, man, good to see you in here. Good to see you. Who else we got? My sister Michelle Turner. Good to see you. It was good to hug you too, sis. Man, so good to see you last week. And uh, thank you for showing up today, my sister Dinu. Yes, I got an autograph from Dinu. Yeah, on her her new uh, new work, uh, Street Level Apologetics. Uh, she was the uh, the uh, the main editor for uh, for that work. So we'll go and check it out. Uh, and my man MJ. Yes, yes, MJ Jackson. Good to see you, my brother. Man, I can't wait to, for us to get here and uh, get in. Get into uh, some some shenanigans next week, brother. So uh, get yourself ready, uh, and uh, and congratulations on the move, and congratulations on for the wife as well on her um, uh, graduation and for her uh, her uh, uh, I forget what it's called uh, placement or what I'm missing the word. Chris might have to help me out with that. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, uh, she's on her way. She's I think placement. Graduated. Yeah, placement. Yeah, so. Uh oh, mom in the house, so I better behave. Mom's in the house. <laughs> Hello, mom. Good to see you. Uh, her and then always with her is baby Julia. Good to see you, baby. Hi. And then, uh, oh, Mary, Mary Myers. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you for the support, man, on the on the uh, YouTube side. Uh, my grandma Hazel Hale. Good to see you. Yes. Uh, and blessings. Yes. Blessings. Blessings from the land of the... Uh, Pasca, Pascuta, Yukwai. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what these ones. Uh, and uh, Tohono Odham in Tucson, Arizona. Man, that's good to see. Yeah, and that's a good reminder because both AI, both Apologists of Detroit and I are sitting right now on, in we are in the Detroit area, 
but we are in the lands of the Anishinaabe and the Potawatomi, uh, their ancestral lands. So uh, thank you for them. Uh, thank you to them for their stewardship of these lands and and all this stuff. And 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 this is partly why we're doing what we do as well, is to uh, you know bring understanding and and these things not only to uh, non-native communities, but also to native communities. We need this understanding. We need these teachings. We need to understand why these things are going. That's me. On. So it's not important either. It's just a book I okay. forgot to send you. Okay. By the way, hello everybody. Hello to everybody that Phil just said hello to. <laughs> Big hugs from uh, Mr. Chris. It was such a, a joy to see so many of you all last week as well. Man, it was awesome, man. Just hanging out with my right. friends. Yeah, thanks for the help. Hanging out with my family. Family. Residency. Exactly. Yep. Residency. Yep. That's right, MJ. So congratulations to you and, and the missus on that. And uh, and uh, good to. Uh, I hope you guys are uh, settled in or getting settled in. Uh, you guys just recently had to move, so. All right. So uh, with that, uh, brother Chris, uh, we are going to get into the the slides. If you before have we get going, Michelle, I gave you. I pointed out like like a, a good three, two, three shelves that were stacked too deep. That you could have any book that you wanted, relatively speaking. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about all. Yeah, no, I know. So I heard some of y'all stay till like eleven o'clock on Sunday, Sunday evening and stuff. So man, man, oh man. But yeah, so ah, uh, uh, <laughs> so who brought the uh, potato salad? <laughs> we had no potato salad. Uh oh, uh oh. Party foul. <laughs> See, Dinu got a book. Michelle knew she could have got it. She she had to took a book too. She chose not to take a book. <laughs> Michelle Michelle was going for the juggler. She was going for like hundred dollar books, and I'm like, I can't give you that book. I, like that book costs too much. I love you to death, but I but I need that book right now. I need that book, and I don't have another hundred dollars to replace it. I bought that book back when I had a job. That's a just an inside joke. I have a job. But that's an inside <laughs> joke that Michelle again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Yes, the uh, inside jokes are flowing, so let's let's rock and roll. So, um, so here we go, folks. Uh, and uh, this study is uh, brought to you in part by nobody, because absolutely nobody is going to take the chance to sponsor a, a video this controversial. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so we're going to be looking at the the roots of racism, and and fam, I've uh, I've poured literally, you know, probably a couple hundred hours into gathering, reading uh, this information, and um, and and Chris has seen has had a background, uh, the the opportunity to sort of see the the background formation of this, and and some of the other brothers. Uh, and so this is this is the fruit of, of that and this is going to be an ongoing thing you know there's there's there, there's information that's always uh I, I can't read every single book i can't read every single you know every single piece of text but what i can tell you is that i have never read more american indian law in my life and never did i ever think i would have to um because i had no no, absolutely no desire to be a lawyer, but there is so much that's in there. And um, 
and it's it's absolutely crucial for some of the understanding, especially with some of this stuff. Uh, my dear brother, Mark Charles, in his book uh, with Soon Cheng Ra said this. Uh, it's basically the, the opening of his book. And he says, you cannot discover lands that are already inhabited. And uh, this is just a piece. This is, you know, this is something that we're going to just keep saying over and over and over again. Um, because a lot of these concepts, like what we're going to be looking at today, Manifest Destiny, are are key to this type of logic this type of teaching right here you know it's it's logical that you cannot discover things that's already inhabited and and i i love what mark does in his lectures he says look you can't discover lands already inhabited he said you know how i know this he said Let's let's do a thought experiment. He says, let's go ahead and leave your keys and your purses and your wallets and your cell phones and your tablets and stuff on the on on the seat. And I'll let you all excuse or go use the bathroom or we'll just clear the hall here and I'll come by and I'll choose and pick and choose and I'll discover all of your things for you. Which is met with, you know, some kind of little laugh and, and the people get it. But for some reason in the logic of, of the United States and the, all these conquering nations throughout the world, for some reason, this already inhabited land was something that you could discover. So this, these, this concept here uh, is something that we, uh, that is deeply embedded and, and there's certain things that we need to, we, we can look at that, that will, that will be um, uh, evident as we go through this. Uh, Chris, you have anything to add to that? No, I think you did a good job. You, you, you did a good job of setting it up. Okay. And so this this here is not directly related, but because of their, um, and uh, Robert Miller in his book, Discovering Indigenous Lands, uh, says this, because of their lack of familiarity with the racist origins of the core doctrines of the modern federal Indian law, uh, most practitioners and students do not realize that every time the current Supreme Court cites any of the core principles to uphold one of its Indian law decisions, it perpetrates and extends the racist legacy brought by Columbus to the new world of the use of law as an instrument of racial domination and discrimination against indigenous tribal peoples, rights and self determination. This is uh, page uh, 126 of Discovering Indigenous Lands. And these things are important to know because many people are using and by default without understanding they are they are perpetrating these these centuries old tenets, ideologies which are steeped in racial domination and they're steeped in even though the, the 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 term manifest destiny within itself although it wasn't coined until the around the 1840s the 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 idea of superiority and domination and all of these things are are all uh they're they're there they are 
in the the ideas, the ideologies, and the things that were coined, you can see the the beginnings of all of this logic and thinking uh, into these things. And that's why this this uh, this particular slide was was uh, important to f to to show at the beginning, because there's a lot of these things. So that this is what the the larger community is saying. Shout out to richly redeem. I see you in the chat, brother. Um, the larger minor minority communities are saying is that these things are bunk from the beginning. And the ideologies, although, yes, we might reform them or we might try to, you know, what I say is we give racism a haircut. We're not getting down to the root level. We are just simply putting lipstick on a pig. And and then we slap it and let it go for a while until the lipstick wears off or the hair gets too long. And then we got to do some sort of racial, you know, racial justice type thing or or something just makes it blow up and then we give it a haircut again and we slap lipstick on it again and then we slap it away and thinking that we've we're solving problems but the 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 trouble is is that these things are far deeper rooted uh in the than the societal norms so uh so these are things that we and these are things that we've been arguing for for decades and centuries um, these are these are all things that unfortunately we've uh, we've for a long time ignorantly have been trying to argue against, but we didn't really understand and know why things were that way. Uh, so so yeah. So anything to add to this, uh, brother Chris? Yeah, um, you know, manifest like if if it's in case it's not clear, in case it is not clear, uh, manifest destiny is a theological ideology. It's a theological idea because it is. It was used for political and, and patriotic purposes. That 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 point might escape us. Like this notion that they believe that God had commanded them to expand in their mind God's way of life, which was democracy and and capitalism. They in their minds. God had commanded them, these American uh, people, after they, you know, revol uh, revol Revolutionary Wars uh, separated themselves from Great Britain. In their minds, these people were acting out, living out, practicing theological uh, theological um, ideas. A one is, you know, the the, uh, the 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 phrase that my good friend D New often says: "Ideas have consequences," right. and that that's one thing. And then, secondly, this profound reality that we're talking about theology here. We're not just talking about philosophy. We're not just talking about ideas that people embrace or or political philosophy. We are talking about theology. So this is smack dab in the core of what we Christians are about, one and two. You know, it goes back to my original saying, America's filled with sociopaths and heretics. You know, this is a heretical idea, one. And then to me, like, what type of frame of mind does one have to be in in order for one to think that, like, they have been called by God to promote this or promote this in, as, as a form of righteousness, you know? Sociopath. So yeah, this is um just to make sure people recognize that. Like this isn't just, you know, this isn't just American history. 
This isn't just colonial history. Right. This isn't just American history. This is theological. This is this is a theology that we are debunking, that we are refuting, that we are rejecting, and that we are making clear is not a theology of of, of scripture. It's not a theology of God. It's a it's a theology of a diseased mind. Right. And Perfect. you know what I mean by that. And I'm right. sure you'll talk about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, and here here's the thing too is. Anyone who's going to come late to this, uh, this, uh, to this, um, to this live, and I just seen <laughs> my my sister Auntie. Uh, good to see you in here, uh, Jamie Lee Hale uh, Brasier. Good to see you, and uh, yeah, who is your favorite Indian? Uh, <laughs> uh, go and check it out. Um, uh, Smoke signals. It's a good, good, good flick. Um, uh, yeah, go and check it out. So uh, yeah, Amen, brother. But um, this isn't just a, a hit piece on America. You know, this this is I'm not coming at and 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 anyone in the bodega crew, uh, anyone, anyone uh, who understands the fact that Jesus is our king. And that we should have absolute I mean, and I'm not saying we don't have ties to our country. Patriotism is, I think. I mean, Chris, you, you've explained it, and we've we've gone over this before. I, we think it's 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 mandated. Patriotism is mandated. It's it's something that we should we should be be active members of our society. But again, we also but we cannot conflate the fact that Jesus, His kingdom, is not of this world, and we cannot sell our soul to our country and try to marry and tie together. Our Christian faith and American exceptionalism or American ideology, because really that's all it is. That's all it stems and that's all it turns out to be. So, so these are the, these are the things that, that we are railing against. And of course it's going to sound, it's going to sound borderline heretical. It's going to sound contrarian because this is not the normal verbiage, but but uh, yeah, so like MJ Jackson says, yeah, patriotism is cool, but the jargon is trash. And that's absolutely right. Because, I mean, we should be active members of our, we should be looking for the greater society and, yeah. and being, and being, yeah, and being act and uh, uh, trying to help others to, to do the same. And if any and and any of you and and most and a lot of you are, are already understand my brother Chris here, he's the quote unquote human flourishing guy, and he doesn't just see Christianity as a vehicle for escapism. He he sees that we can see the blessings of God here and now on this earth, and we can experience some of these things. Although we can never experience the true the true glorification here on earth, but we can try as hard as we can to, to have the riches of God here and now. And it's not some kind of uh, name it and claim it prosperity type gospel. It's, it's the biblical prosperity that we're talking here and, and biblical equality that we're talking here, not just a simple overthrow or trying to do a hit piece on, on America. So please don't hear that. And please, we're, we're not here for that either. Uh, that's that's something that I'm not. I'm here to try to bridge, uh, to bridge the gap of understanding, because the main thing for me is that my elders 
for a long time have talked about they couldn't understand. They didn't know why that the, some of these atrocities happened, why some of them had to be shipped off to boarding school. They didn't understand. They couldn't comprehend it because when they heard the message of Jesus, it seemed like that was a message of peace. But yet when it came to the enacting and looking at these atrocities, it, it just didn't compute. It didn't make sense. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to trying to help people to learn and understand why these things happen, not justifying why they happened, but trying to show people that, that this thing called Christendom and Christianity was weaponized, by the way. And it was weaponized in a way that uh, that belittled, belittled and dehumanized people. So, uh, Brother Chris, you had something to say? Yeah, um, I, I wanted to kind of touch on patriotism for a second there. So this is the right. uh, this is the Oxford uh, definition of patriotism. The quality, it's a noun, the quality of being patriotic, devotion to and vigorous support of one's country. Gives an example, a highly decorated officer of unquestionable integrity and patriotism. So um, that's the general um, definition of patriotism. And patriotism is, is um, I think patriotism is inherently problematic for a Christian. What I don't mean by that is that a, that a Christian, because I think that part of the problem with America is is um, the American way of life is is a very nebulous, you know, um, thing. Like we don't really necessarily flush out our ideas; we just talk about them and in, 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 as though you know we clearly understand them. So I, I think that uh, when a Christian talks about patriotism, I don't think that they're actually talking about patriotism. They're not talking about a deeply seated and rooted um, allegiance to the country that they live in. I think we're more like, uh, we, we should think of ourselves more like Abraham. Uh, this is Hebrews 11, uh, starting in verse eight. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place um, he would later receive as, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his um, home in the promised land, like a stranger in a forest in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Now later on, his descendants would actually receive this promised land in a more formal sense, uh, you know, in a more formal sense where they didn't have to live in tents. As a matter of fact, they built a temple. They went from having a tabernacle to actually building a temple. Their kings built, um, created capitals, the city of David in Jerusalem, and uh, they built castles and, and where they lived. And, uh, and they had all type of, you know, lavish materials. Now, um, the question is, was Abraham's experience any less qualita uh, qualitative than David's? I would say no. I would say, um, as, as the, the writer of Hebrews aptly points out, um, Abraham's goal was to live in a city whose architect and builder was God. That was Abraham's goal. So he wow. he learned uh, contentment in it, and the contentment is is a is a um, is a principle on which Scripture commands all believers to have. So. Um, um, I think that as like me, it's like, hey, when when I say I, I'm glad I live in America, what I'm not saying is that America is this great place and uh, and everybody should uh, covet, you know, or envy me. Everybody should want to live here. Everybody should want to, you know, uh, you know, find their way to live here in America because it's such a great snazzy place to be. 
what what I'm saying is there's worse places in the world to live. You know, for instance, I could be living in Ukraine right now where there's an active war zone to where my everyday day-to-day life is much more um, in, in a sense of anxiousness, where at any given time there could be a missile or a bomb or gunfire that could take the life of a loved one. And it can it's just a more chaotic experience to have. So I'm not saying that, oh, I, I love America. What I'm saying is I'm content. I'm, I'm content to be here. But ultimately, my hope is to live in a city whose foundations and architect is God. That's ultimately what I'm saying. So if if by patriotic you mean, hey, I've I've I find myself, I find contentment in living here, then that's how Christians should think. If by patriotic you you are saying, oh, this is the greatest place on earth, it's the greatest show in town, it's like you clearly don't understand the Bible. That's one. And then two, um, you're effectively, if that's your heart, if that's your attitude, effectively you're an enemy of God. Because no. No loyal citizen of God's kingdom will covet and, and, and praise and be patriotic about some other king city who's a rival king to yours. You know, all other kingdoms of the earth are rival kingdoms to the kingdom of God. Exactly. And if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, you need to learn to be patriotic about the kingdom of God. That's what you need to be. That's what you need to be. You need to be excited that we serve a king that that has, that is gracious that is kind he saves us salvation is not some um platonic philosophical idea salvation is practical salvation is food clothing a safe place to live is fresh water go read revelation 21 uh, salvation is 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 deeply rooted in life down here on this earth not some mm-hmm. pie in the sky notion so anyway just thought it was it's helpful for us to kind of get a little more intimate with patriotism and right. think about it in a much healthier yeah. way. So yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't consider myself patriotic. I don't consider myself anti-American. I consider myself right. pro the kingdom of God. I see America as a rival kingdom and I see myself as an ambassador of the kingdom of God Amen. living in this rival kingdom on behalf of my king, brokering shalom, brokering peace and revealing to the citizens of this land that there's hope in a better life, their salvation in a better life, which is under the rule of, of Jesus. So hopefully that helps Amen. you guys Amen. understand how to place patriotism a little bit better. Yeah, I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's important to say and that's important to 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 really break down these things, especially because uh, you know we're, we're not we're not new at this. We know that this is going to be a very sensitive subject, and that this is going to be a very uh, paradigm shifting work. And it's also going to be very controversial. So we're not under any, any notion that this isn't going to be challenging for some, because this was, I mean, for me, it, it, it's, it's, it's really, really, it's, it's been a, a, a rewarding experience, but it's been an extremely challenging experience, especially in my heart. Um, because for a long time I was sold out to this, this, the, the general version of, of Christianity in America today. And what I had to learn is that I had to, I have to shed some of these, these ideologies in these things. So it's, it's been a very challenging time. And I know that there's going to be people in the chat and there's going to be people who watch this later on who are going to be very challenged by it and, pro- and and probably very uh 
angry or upset or or they might call us heretics and all these types of things. I mean, and they're going to pass it off, of course. Uh, you know, those who just don't want to engage with it, don't want to do any homework. They're just going to pass it off as, oh, that's just CRT. Don't even deal with it. Uh, so I understand and we understand where we're going and we, we, we're going into this and I, and I know for sure that we are going into this with our eyes wide open. So, so, uh, thank you for that. Understand or for that clarification, brother, uh, because I think those types of things are important. So, so, uh, so yeah, so let's get back to this. All right, so here's some of the things that we're going to be looking at. Uh, the Doctrine of Discovery, Manifest Destiny, Euro, Turning into American Exceptionalism, and Christian Nationalism. That's where we're, we're about to go. Uh, so, and that's this isn't all going to be covered today. So if, in case you're just getting here, um, uh, we are not going to go through all of these today. Uh, this is going to be a series. And... Uh, um, so this is sort of this isn't the exact layout, but we're 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 going to cover all of these topics eventually. So today uh, we're going to be looking at manifest destiny. So manifest destiny, as defined uh, by Britannica uh, in U.S. history, the supposed inevitability of the continued territorial territorial expansion of the boundaries of the United States westward to the Pacific and beyond. But the thing is, is that Chris Chris made a very valid and, and, and solid point that this wasn't just a political ideology. This was literally a theological ideology. And shout out to Slam RN who says she's triggered already. <laughs> so I just hope you stay in there with us, sis, you know, because uh, I, I know that there's, you know, a lot, there's going to be a lot of buzzwords that according to the anti-CRT crowd are, you know, that are, uh, you know, they're going to say these are bad, you know, this is bad stuff and we shouldn't even pay attention to it. But, but uh I invite you to stay or I challenge you to stay and, and to look at it. And anyone who would disagree, I, I invite you and challenge you to stay and take a look because these aren't just random sources. Uh, we're going to be looking at some very, very troubling things that have been said throughout U.S. history um, and also things that were happening throughout the world as well. So looking at this and, and again, Manifest Destiny um, is within... The Declaration of Independence, and most Native Americans already know this, but many Americans have never actually sat down and read the Declaration of Independence. And so, well, well, these these quote unquote forefathers are are penning this document and declaring their independence from from the crown, and they cite twenty seven gripes against the crown. <clears throat> the last gripe that they that they have here is 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 this. And they say he, he, the crown, has incited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring the inhabitants of, oh, here it is, lo and behold, our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages. So again, all right, right off the bat here in this, in, in just the founding document, the Declaration of Independent, Independence, excuse me, there's already these, these, these elements of discovery, there's elements of manifest destiny, because this was ours. And we're going to show here in, in a little bit 
uh, some documents and some things that were said by the by the crown, and we're going to tie it together to show that these there there was actual papal documents, documents is issued by the quote unquote church. That, uh, and and that's not going to be in this particular. Um, that's not going to be in this particular uh, uh, study today. Um, but. We, we will look at the the uh, the documents, uh, the papal bulls uh, in the next one as we examine the, the doctrine of discovery in itself. Um, but again, those, uh, the in merciless Indian savages, those whose rule of warfare is undistinguished, destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. So already here in this, you know, the, the, the founding document, there's there's remnants and this idea and again like i said the term manifest destiny was not coined until a couple hundred years later uh, i think 1846 I yeah think. And yeah and they, yeah the 1840s it was it was 1845 coined. actually 1845 yeah. so so you, you see that these elements are are here they are they are embedded they are this ideology is strong Within the the American mind frame, or the at this time the the European mind frame, that this was ours, this is our frontier. These are our lands, and uh, and then we're going to look at here some of the 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 even some of the phil philosophical uh, ideologies uh, that are embedded within some of this. Chris, you have anything to add to this? Yeah, I, I want to note that uh, he has excited domestic insurrections. The, the authors of this Declaration of Independence documents are positioning themselves in the morally superior or morally advantageous position. In their minds, they are executing an act of righteousness in light of the king's excitement of domestic insurrections. Right. Yet, yet, and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of the frontiers, the merciless Indian savages. So yeah, so so I just think that it's it's um again when we're thinking about these things, we have to we have to recognize that like this is what humans do. We we think of ourselves as righteous, and we think of these other people as unrighteous. And and right now we see that in their own language, uh, referring to the their positioning themselves as juxtaposed to the king and. Asserting that the king is is in some way, um, uh, in, in some way, uh, manipulating people, and they're calling them merciless savages. But let's see how they, you know, moving forward in in the slides, how they continue to paint this picture of, right. of dehumanization to justify their actions. Right. You know, this is morality. And this is them. And this is what this is. This is the oldest trick in the book. The oldest trick in the book is to name yourself the morally superior, name them the morally inferior or the enemies of God. And then to uh, uh, crown yourself the knight of justice uh, called by God to defeat the evil. Amen. So to, to sort of stand up some of this stuff <clears throat> um, and to get some of the thought process and, and this is tying right into what Chris was saying uh, in uh, Steve Newcomb's book, uh, Pagans in the Promised Land, which I I have a hard copy here. Uh, I, I won't show you because you can see it on, on the screen already. 
but according to his uh in, right off the bat um and shout out to cj i see you in the chat brother uh also i'll be on his uh, channel we're working on a show that i think is still in work um but uh but check it out and we'll be talking about some some of these some of these issues related to this uh actually this live stream too so and then of course a shout out to bk apologist i see he just entered the chat so good to see you my brother man it was good to uh give you a hug and and hang out with you uh last week man so um so it's good to see you man <clears throat> and uh and also, uh, I think BK Apologist has a, a, a show coming up uh, this evening. If I'm if I'm correct, if, I don't know if that's still going on or not. But uh, but yeah, place uh, place your video in the chat, uh, brother, so we can go and check that out later on if it's still happening. So good to see you here, and thank you for for showing up. Uh, and it was actually him who I was going to try to cram all this information into like one big video, but uh, my, my my brother had some some words of wisdom. And he said, Phil, I want you to do, to do this methodically. I want you to do this slowly. And he said, I want it to be like a slow knife entering the back of this ideology. Now, he didn't say that last part, but <laughs> but it came off as some of those vibes. So, so, uh, so yeah. So, um, anyway, so uh, shout out to BK Apologist. And so, yeah, we're breaking this up to three or four videos. So, so yeah, go check out his, uh, go set the reminder uh, to uh, his video coming up. Uh, and uh, so, yeah. So uh, <laughs> he said he's, he agrees though. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so this, I thought he was trying to send us across the street. So <laughs> send us across the street. <laughs> Don't set that fire over there. <laughs> go over there and do that. Don't come over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, this in in uh, in Steve Newcomb's uh, book, uh, Pagans in the Promised Land, he he set this up perfectly because he he went through some of the i the uh, the philosophical and the in the ideological um, premises, if you will, and so one of them was this idea of source, path, goal, and, and they're called image schemas. So he says, according to or to the source path, path goal image schema, on the basis of this image schema, in keeping with the metaphors, it is typical to conceptualize our lives and all kinds of daily activities in terms of traveling from one source or a starting point along some path or route uh, or route towards and to a goal or destination. Another example of this thought process is the tendency for people, uh, for people raised in American American society, to to, to to typically think of progress as forward movement towards some idealized image or model of society in the future. That's key because that's exactly how this whole thing was framed so the classic image of this exemplified uh of this is exemplified in the painting american progress or manifest destiny by john gast which depicts the movement of the united states westward in the manner of manifest destiny so this is the painting he was referring to and if anybody's done any any kind of work or even 
even looked at American expansion or any of these types of things, or if you've even done American history studies, this, this painting exemplifies in one snapshot the idea, right? The ideas of, of American, the Americans and their technologies. And we have we have this and uh yes yeah, slam I'm, I'm not a calvinist I, I was a calvinist for a long time I'm, I'm not a calvinist anymore just to answer your question but um but this this shows i mean you can see from from the 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 western side of that moving to the east or i mean the east moving to the west excuse me that it's all sunshiny on the side where it's already industrialized right and this white angel carrying a Bible and carrying the, the, the ream of power lines into the dark savages of, of, the, of the Western frontiers where the, it's just animals that live over there. The bear and then the, the, the buffalo and it's dark and cloudy over there, but it's nice and sunshiny on our side. See that this imagery is is literally what is and that's why it was important for Stephen Newcomb to contextualize that and to help us to understand that these things weren't just abstract ideas that these things ran aground that these these were the things that were being shown to them is that we are bringing these things to you oh savages i mean there is countless news articles and things that and I didn't bring a lot of the news articles that were being propagated which was all propaganda but these news articles and the things that they would see every single day so that the American public was conditioned to see native people brown people as just savages and this was this was all throughout the world. This wasn't just the United States. This was all throughout the world. Any place, like I said, any place that the doctrine of discovery and and colonialism touched, it was the same playbook, because they all had. And we're going to look at this here shortly, but they all had the same ideas within their head, and we're going to show two places, thousands of miles apart, that the 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 language that they use is spooky similar. So, and Chris, you had something to say? Oh, I thought you were raising your hand. <laughs> no, I was pushing my uh, earpiece oh, okay. back in because oh, okay. I'm skipping out a little bit. Okay. So, yeah, so that that this is this is literally where and, and what the ideology was. And for some parts that you can see today, there's a lot of this. How, why in the world would they get in the way of a, of a pipeline that is, it's clearly going to benefit them? uh how in the world do you know would we uh would would they not want to have this or that which we would clearly see in our minds in our industrialized minds because listen these things are are happening even to yet today in south america where they are looking to uh in uh sarah augustine's book um the land is not empty uh, and shout out to Slam. See you later, sis. Uh, uh, good to see you. Thanks for stopping in. Um, the the 
this in South America, these things are happening yet today where they're, they're enticing them with modern amenities for them to essentially congregate together these small cells of, of tribal people throughout the rainforest. And what they're doing is they're, they're having them come to these, these camps essentially, or these little, these larger villages. And then they're declaring the rest of the land. Once they clear it from, from people, they're declaring that land open for, for resource extraction. And, so they're taking the the fossil fuels. They're taking the the the, the rainforest and, and and anything that they can extract as far as resources, and they're they're calling that land because they've made an agreement with these people to come to more centralized villages that are bigger and maybe have some. So again, in their in their mind, they're doing them a favor. We're bringing you uh, greater. We're bringing you schools. We're bringing you. Uh, goods we're bringing you technology you know and some sure absolutely so, some can be good there may, may be better health care and some of these things but it, it not all of it is always up to par and some of these things can be negated by just leaving them alone you know it's a lot of the the warfare and the things that were done uh within the tribal people within the americas was it was biological uh, you know, uh, smallpox and, and, you know, there was a, a, just a plethora of diseases that were, were foreign to these lands. And then now all of a sudden people were being decimated by, by all of these, these foreign bugs. But there, and again, it, it comes, it, it, they, they basically boiled it down to a value proposition and they had, they, they were doing us a favor by taking these lands and, and doing uh, industrializing them for their favor. So, uh, anything to add before we move on, Chris? Okay. So, Steve goes on to say uh, this is partially the result of American society's sense of forward movement, manifest destiny, being traditionally and unconsciously measured in terms of success at colonization and the resulting accumulation of Indian lands because. The Indians, as the original possessors of the land, stood fast in resistance to their ancestral homelands being overrun and overtaken by the in invading Europeans. American society views viewed them as impediments standing in the way of America's purpose and, therefore, as obstacles to America's civilized, forward, Western momentum. Thus, according to the standard viewpoint of the United States, the American Indians, because of their efforts to hold on to the to their lands, were typically thought as backwards peoples. In other words, the Indians were not considered to be attempting to stand still. They were thought as thought of as having advanced or as holding back the forward movement of progress that is literally the definition of manifest destiny and the, the, these things are uh this this is what they use this is what was weaponized these are the things that they use to to weaponize 
that's why we get things like the term welfare queen, right? This is why we get things like, um, you know, uh, merciless savages, right? Because they, they want to dehumanize it because it's, it's according to their version of progress. They are the moral majority. They are the moral, uh, they're, they're the ones that understand, right? We have the understanding. So therefore, and it's literally gatekeeper mentality. So this gatekeeper mentality is, uh, and manifest destiny can be almost one and the same. And this has happened throughout history. This has happened throughout. And, and unfortunately, this even happens within the church. I mean, as a, as a, as a native person growing up in, in the Baptist church, the, um, there's been times where we've almost literally, but just been told to just, you know, shut up and learn, shut up and listen, you know, these types of things that, uh, because they were the white man who understood the gospel and you just need to sit down and learn, oh, Indian. And even when I was in Bible college, I would push back on some of these ideas because they didn't sound right. They didn't sit right. But I was literally conditioned within my, my spiritual walk and my spiritual life, especially because my background was extreme conservatist, Calvinist type uh, theology. And I was simply taught to suppress my own thoughts and feelings about this. Shout out to Richly Redeem. Uh, shout out for the uh, for the super chat. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for helping out this ministry, and uh, that helps uh, push us and encourages us uh, a ton, brother. So, uh, so thank you, thank you, uh, Chris. Anything to add to this? No. Okay. So, <clears throat> um. So the, the thing that I that I was um, thinking of is is looking at the the whole scope, looking at the the, the whole scope of of this this ideology, and it's often tried. It's they there's there's this trying to frame it as if, like I said before, like this is for your own good. And some of the deeper and the the beginnings of this are are when conquest was first happening and this story stood out to me because it showed me that that were these people really in this for souls were were the things that they were saying and they were propagating were these things really meant to save the souls or was it just simply to use christianity Jesus, was it really to enrich their life, their soul, and potentially so they could see them in heaven? Or was it just simply using Christianity as a means to make them see it their way? And this story, uh, and, and also shout out to Chris, my, my brother Chris, apologist in Detroit, and also uh, Brandon Cleaver for putting me on this this uh, this book um, because uh, we had a we had an amazing opportunity to go down uh, to uh, University of Michigan and uh, and watch Mark's uh, and and take in a lecture from Mark Charles 
And, um, and so they were telling me about this book, which I had never read before. And so I immediately purchased it while we we're in the car on the way home. And uh, I start reading it. And man, I was blown away by a lot of the stuff in there. But this, this book, um, and this, this little story here uh, on page 74, uh, tells a story about, um, not about Tupac Shakur, <laughs> but uh, this was, I believe, his namesake. Uh, and so he, this story, essentially, I'm not going to, I won't read it for the sake of uh, some time so we can move this forward a little bit. But essentially, uh, uh, Tupac, um, he basically became a Christian just so that way he could, you know, he, he had to denounce his, his self as he was being uh, executed. And so he denounced this his 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 own tribal customs and his own his own ways uh and basically um basically turned that he said here you know I'm, I'm a christian and they have baptized me and then they go on to then execute him so i mean for for me it really it really causes the question of of okay were these things done in earnest to really uh for the betterment of these people for the betterment of my people um yeah he wasn't in can yeah I, I, I was reading up on him uh and, and yeah and he was in south america uh he was a resistance leader yep and so um so thank you for that uh for that little bit of help there um brother cj um but these are the these are some of the things that that I'm talking about. Is were these things really for souls, or was it just simply to get people out of the way? Was it simply to uh, to just again remove that impediment, that obstacle, right? Because a lot of these guys um, were, or a lot of these leaders, Sitting Bull, you know. Um, Crazy Horse, you know, some popular names throughout American Western history. You know, they were just simply seen as, you know, Geronimo, you know, they were just seen as as just just something to block the progress, right? Uh, shout out to Sister Michelle Turner. Thank you so much for the um, uh, for the super chat. I appreciate you, sis. Uh, and that means a ton. Dana Owens, good to see you, sis. Also in the chat, so uh, good to see you, uh, JP. Uh, sorry if I'm missing you guys in the chat. Uh, I, I'm sorry for that, but I'm trying to uh, just keep the flow going here. Uh, Brother Chris, you have anything? You have anything to add to any of that? No. Nope. Okay. I mean, a lot of this is kind of self-explanatory. I'm, but I'm right. gonna be jump chiming in. Oh yeah, no, fear no not. Problem. No problem. Hard to keep me quiet for long. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. Uh, games and polemics. Good to see you, man. Uh, uh, so yeah, good to see you in here. Uh, hope you, uh, even if you disagree, you know, I, I'm, 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 we're here for it. So, uh, and so this was, this was interesting to me because as I was doing my research, uh, there was, uh, Jose de Acosta who was a Spanish theologian and he wrote, uh, some of his memoirs going into, uh, into South America and so he was looking at and uh, and this comes from the the nature and moral history of the the indies 
and uh, I want you to pay attention to some of some of this language, right? Because this is telling. Okay, this was in in this was published. So this was written. The original publication was 1590. So this was written. I think it was. I think they. Uh, I read somewhere it was around 20 years. So maybe in the 1570s, maybe a, a, a tad earlier. Um, but this is this is what he wrote. But it's it is a circumstance worthy of much consideration that the wisdom of our eternal Lord has enriched the most remote parts of the world inhabited by the most oh here we go uncivilized people, and has placed their greatness their greatest number of minds that ever existed in order to invite men to seek out and possess those lands, and coincidentally, to communicate their religion, and the worship of the true God to men who didn't know it. So to them, it's a coincidence. This is, this is verification that God has ordained us to go through and to take these things and to takes to seek out and possess these lands. So that way we can communicate to them, the true God to men who don't know it. Thus, the prophecy of, oh, here we go, Isaiah has been fulfilled, that the church shall pass on to the right hand to its left, which is, as St. Augustine declares, the way of the gospel must be propagated not only to those who preach preach it sincerely with the charity, but also to those, uh, also by those who proclaim it through temporal and human aims and means. Hence, we see that the lands of the Indies that are the richest in mines and wealth have been those most uh, advanced in the Christian religion in our time. And thus the Lord takes advantage of our desires to serve his sovereign ends. And this is regarded a wise, regarded a wise man once said uh, in this regard, a wise man once said that a man who does not marry off an ugly daughter is uh, is giving her is give her a large dowry. This is what God has done with the rugged land, endowing it with great wealth in mines, so that whoever wished could find it by this by this means. Hence. There is no, there is great abundance of mines in the Indies, mines of every metal, copper, iron, lead, tin, quicksilver, silver, and gold. So this theologian is writing and saying that it was God's manifest destiny, right? This is our destiny. This is our, so again, even though it wasn't until 1840, the ideas, the ideas are here. This is God ordained. This is what God has sent us here for. This is what God has uh, has given us. Look, it's obvious. Because if we came and there was nothing, well, then obviously, then it would be outside of God's will because then we would starve or there would be nothing here for us to have or nothing for us here to, to be able to expand our great kingdom. No, because there is this stuff here, this is validation and verification 
that this is God ordained. But again, the dehumanization is already here in this, in this, uh, in this, 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 I, these, these ideas, they're, they're here, they are, they are, and they are relevant. Because how you, how are you just going, going to, to, and, and yeah, games and polemics, absolutely. You know, how are you just going to throw in the, the scripture? I mean, this is, I mean, it's the same thing that we, that people do today, right? We just use scripture to, to write off our, uh, you know, whatever position that we might hold. Um, and actually we're going to, we're going to look at that here, uh, in a little bit. Um, you know, some of, some of this stuff, uh, brother Chris, you have anything to add? Yeah. I mean, just the irony of how, like how clearly self-serving this is. I mean, this guy is, uh, Acosta's is saying that, uh, these natives, these uncivilized people were like an ugly daughter that, God had to give a huge endowment in order to marry her off. And so it's like, it's self-serving that, that these people think that, that their reward for sharing the gospel is they get to keep all of the natural resources of the land of the right. people that they are, that they are sharing the gospel with. And, and when it's clearly a, a picture of exploitation, it just, like it's baffling that you can't that they could that a theologian of 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 all would write something so um you know that so so obviously you know uh so so obviously um you know self and self uh self aggrandizing or self benefiting i mean that just makes no sense to me i mean like man that's talk about as a, as a missionary who's fundraising this is insane you know just so you know that this is i mean that's just like crazy no, it's. I mean, that's true. I mean, imag imagine, imagine a, a a missionary today, going into any land and saying, "All right, now you know, y'all owe me. I'm right, here, I'm here, so y'all owe me." You know, I mean, that's just y'all go y'all gonna pick them y'all gonna pick them coffee beans for me now. Right, that's right. And coffee right. beans is is the 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 cost of me bringing this great gospel to you. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah, and. And then on top of that, not only like, all right, y'all owe me, but, you know, y'all owe me you, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever, put in whatever explicitive in, in there you want, you know, you less than human person. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it's just the audacity of, of, of these things. And again, but again, you know, we do have to be honest. So imagine, imagine your church told you your pastor was telling you that this was your right okay so i mean again we need to understand the the whole picture because yes to us this is deplorable in our day and age but imagine if you had the backing of not only your your church or your congregation but you had the backing of your country and you had the backing of the entire pope right the the because these were this is this ideology just didn't come up by itself that's what we're going to look at here uh, in the next video, looking at the doctrine of discovery, because the doctrine of discovery is going to help tie a lot of this mentality together. But even though manifest destiny wasn't coined, but again, we can still see the elements in these in this ideology. So, so keep this keep this picture in mind. New England, thousands of miles away. 
right? Thousands of miles away. Uh, and this is going to be a little bit harder to read because I took this directly from the, uh, and there's some, English wasn't standardized yet. So notice the, notice the dates. 1590, okay, is when this was published. So in, the, you know, around 1590-ish. Look at the date here, 1620. So roughly, you know, maybe on the on the long end, 50 years later, 30 to 50 years later, listen to the language here also, and also for what that what that we have been further given certainly to know that within these late years, there hath by God's vest, visitation. visitation. Like God came and visited me. God's visitation. Right. Resigned a wonderful plague together that so many, so with many horrible slaughters and murders committed amongst the savages and British people there, here, here therefore inhabiting in a manner, manner to, to the utter destruction, that's, uh, I'm not sure what that word. Uh, and depopula uh, depopula depopulation of the whole territory so that there is not left for many leagues together in a manner they that do claim or challenge any kind of interest therein, nor any other superior lord or sovereign to make claim hereunto whereby we in our judgment are persuaded and satisfied that the appointed time is to come in which almighty God in his greatness, in his, in his goodness, excuse me, and bounty towards us and our people hath thought fit and determined that those large and goodly territories deserted as it were by their natural inhabitants should be possessed and enjoyed by such of our subjects, the people as here, heretofore have and hereafter shall by his mercy and favor and by his powerful arm be directed and conducted there, there, there. It's just like hereafter. <laughs> yeah, hereafter. Basically, it's yeah. hereafter. So, yeah. So again, God has put a plague to the savages, which is us uh, verification to us that He's made it that way. These places were deserted. So listen to the to to the 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 imagery there. Separated by thousands of miles. And you know who you know who set this charter? You know who who uttered these words? Your beloved King James. The King James. And so the date was the dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> right. Shout out to uh, Shoddy Mills. Good to see you, sis, in the chat. Um so this listen, I mean. These people are, are separated by thousands of miles. N not a chance to have seen each other or sat at a, at a table with each other to 
get these these ideas and thoughts organized. So again, this was the ideology. This was an ideology of of the European conquerors. And so it is crazy to think that, oh, well, you know, that was just one incident. No, they all had this ideology. And this shows because you have to think of it as well. We think of technology today and especially information, right? I mean, think, I mean, my goodness, excuse me, my kids, they think of like the, the regular phone that we used to have on the wall. Remember when, when everybody, the, the house had one phone and uh, you had that really long 20 foot cord and, you know, you used to have to, you know, go around to the bathroom to try to get some privacy, you know, and hey, what's up? What are you doing? You know, my kids think of that as communicate. Wow. You know, how did you guys even communicate, you know, with technology the way it is? So imagine even back then how slow information was traveling and how how so there's absolutely no way that these two because the the spanish and I, I forget where king james was from uh and what um what uh yeah <laughs> good thing i have the new king james <laughs> games and polemics <laughs> but um but yeah so i mean it just it just shows um that these types of things are uh it was embedded even with yes there we go scotland right scotland thank you guys uh brother cj and, and uh, games and polemics um so it shows a lot of a lot of this information and this this ideology uh was was happening and uh it was essentially the 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 standard and norm for for these countries uh, brother chris you have anything to add well, again like um Wow, what what self delusion? So God, like the, a plague popped out uh, on on a native community, and for them to have such confidence that they are so righteous that God has chosen them to replace the inhabitants that died off from a plague, and and um and what really came to mind was this notion that you know often that's how even to today uh, Americans think of America, you know God bless America. You know, like that's one of our uh, that's one of the the, the nation's songs. Right. right. <laughs> you know, our home sweet home. Right. And it's like it, it, it's um yeah, to me, just like the, the, the nerve, the gall, the arrogance that a people would have such a self-righteous perception of themselves that God was acting on behalf of them the way that God acted on behalf of Israel. Uh, sidebar, you know, part of the reason that this is a th this this notion is even believable is because people just don't understand what the Bible is talking about when God elected Israel. God elected Israel as a nation of priests, Exodus nineteen, and right. so they think all they see is that uh, they see Deuteronomy where God says He's elected them among all the nations as a special people, and they don't even it it, it escapes them that this is in the context of the divine council and God is using them as a light to the nations. God is using them as a means of reconciliation. So with, with, with absence, the misiological calling of Israel, all people see is that God chose Israel and, and they think that God Israel is just unique, special in, in the, in the economy 
um, the, you know, the anthropological economy of God. That's what they think. Mm -hmm. And so then they self-impose, they make themselves the new Israel since Jesus came. And in their minds, the old Israel is done away with the new Israel here. That's Christians. And they make themselves a new Israel, completely falling into the same trap that that Israel of old fell into, which was they thought it was about themselves and not about the calling in which God had placed upon the lives. But, man, this is just it's just it just amazes me that people would have such a delusional perspective of themselves that they think that God has has wiped out a whole community of people with a plague for them. Right. That's just that's baffling, man. That's that's no. un, incomprehensible. Right. So <clears throat> my challenge was this, and I, I put this up uh, on on Facebook and said, "Look, if you're if you're disgusted by this, you know, because this is this is what I hear a lot. You know, I, I hear, well, you know, well, yeah, I mean, the the Spanish weren't, you know, it, I mean, yeah, they did their stuff, but I mean, Phil, they were taking the hearts out of. I mean, yeah, I get it." I, I get it, but what you're saying is the savagery of the traditional people is 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 not okay. But the savagery of the and yes, I'm saying the savagery of the Spanish and those who are coming in to conquer the Europeans, any anyone that came in with this ideology because it was not about souls. It was not. Christianity was weaponized to legitimize the the conquest so if you if if that's your argument is that oh well phil they they just took out the hearts and they were they were sacrificing people but yet uh you're okay with the the conquest you might need to double check your theology because to to dehumanize one and then to stand up the other and 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 say, oh well, you know what, Phil? They they brought them the gospel. You know that's how the gospel got here. I mean, the ends don't justify the means. I don't think they understand the gospel either. Right. The because, gospel yeah. is Jesus is King. The gospel is Jesus come to save. Right. Slicing a bunch of people's throats don't sound like salvation to me. <clears throat> right. Just don't. Precisely. Precisely. And. And that that's that's again that that's the and 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 again we you know I want to be fair because this was a time where not everyone had a Bible sitting in their house, so yes there was some dependence on it. But again, people understand, and there were people in the time that understood that just slaughtering a whole group of people is wrong. There were people, there were, you know, because we hear that all the time, you know, my, my, my brother MJ Jackson loves to, loves to mock it when they say oh, they were a men of their time. But that's the thing is, is that no, there in every epoch of time, there were people that understood that it's wrong to murder people, especially mass groups of people. So there are voices. Uh -oh. Acosta was a theologian and King James uh, sponsored a translation of the Bible. So like, while everybody may not have had a Bible in their hands, it's clear the people who are making these statements right. uh, have read the Bible and for somehow uh, delusionally see themselves as the righteousness of God. So, you know, I, I think that that's um, why we can acknowledge that everybody didn't have a Bible. I think it's hard to try to, you know, justify these people. These people are, you know, right. um, 
claim the name of God in, in, in their actions. Right. Now, I don't know if it's just me, Chris, but uh, you're breaking up just a little bit. And uh, oh, shout out to my brother, my 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 older brother, Dusty, uh, Dusty Olson. Uh, good to see you, brother. And actually, uh, Dusty uh, helped me with a story that we're going to be sharing here a little bit to sort of tie a bow on this. Uh, so good to see you, Dusty. I hope you can stay till the till we get to that portion. Uh, but that's going to be at the almost towards the very end. But um, but yeah, so. Um, so yeah, so shout out to you, brother, uh, for giving me that information and uh, for helping me out with this. So yeah, so I um, um, okay, so Chris, all right, so let me see, all right, next. So this <clears throat> this was um, in the United States. Now moving a little bit towards you know some of the some of the things that were happening more specifically to in the United States and to some of the things that were happening with, with my people uh, and uh, the, the native people throughout the Americas. And unfortunately, um, you know, there was a lot of things, Western removal, Western expansion. And here's just the, just the kind of a rough timeline. We're not going to spend a whole ton of time on these, but um, this was essentially what they, what they called the, 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 the period of Western removal and the Indian wars and treaty making. So they, they tried to forcibly remove the natives from the East and, and they were trying to market it as if they were do, again, doing them a favor because they would flourish in the, the, the great lands of the West, but it was literally just to give themselves room because they seen that, you know, uh, East of that Appalachians, was sort they sort of seen as their territory and so they wanted to get rid of all the natives and that was sort of their their is their initial thought was that oh well that'll be indian territory and this will be ours but of course greed and and all these things and realizing and sending out the discovery corps lewis and clark uh, realizing that there was a lot more and there was a lot of riches and things and resources and 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 in all of the like in the West. Uh, so this was the, and so this period from the, from the 1870s to the 1820s was the allotment and assimilation project. So this is some of the stuff, some of this is not directly tied to the, some of the things that we're going to go through today. Um, but these are some of the, the things that have happened throughout, uh, throughout history. And you'll see, then there's a, some more of these things, Major Crimes Act, uh, the Dawes Act, the Major Crimes Act, uh, and a lot of these have repercussions that people don't equate to, to even today. The Major Crimes Act, for an example, it, it what it did is it essentially watered down anything that happened on the reservation. It had to be, it was under federal jurisdiction. So what does that mean? It sounds like that's a good thing. It sounds like the, Amer the, the, the the government is trying to help protect Native people. But no, actually what it did is it watered it down in such a way that, you know, who the hell type of uh, FBI agent wants to come out to the reservation? Spend all that time away because reservations were put in areas that were away from major population groups. You, you look at any any reservation, they're outside of the major population groups. 
and they're and most of the times they're put in these desolate places where it's it was hard to farm it was hard to it was hard to ranch uh they some of them didn't even have water sources you know there there was these these lands that were considered junk lands so what agent of the united states wants to go to the reservation to 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 look at any quote unquote major crimes so and excuse the language, but there was all kinds of half-assery going on in when it came to investigating crimes happening on the native reservations. And that's the truth. I mean, we've we've seen it, we've seen and, and a perfect example of this is the MMIW movement, the missing and murdered missing and murdered indigenous women. Uh and now they've moved it over to the murdered missing and indigenous indigenous peoples movement because it's not just men, it's women, or it's not just women, it's men as well. So this has this has direct repercussions of today. And the MMIW movement within itself, the reason why it's a movement is because women, native women were not a recorded demographic throughout both Canada and the United States. So we, we knew how many, uh, black bears we had we knew uh, how many eagles we had but we had no clue as to how many human being women's that are of indigenous ethnicity have gone missing or that were murdered in united states and canada we kept track of the eagles we kept track of bears so these are these are some of the things that we're talking about. These are the things that are that are deeply embedded and rooted in some of these things. So the argument of oh, this is stuff of the past and, and Phil, this has no repercussions on today. Let's get to the root of it and then let's discuss it. Because see, these are things, and 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 again, this is throughout hundreds of years. This ideology has been here for hundreds of years. The dehumanization, manifest destiny, all these things. This is just one piece, fam. This is just one piece. And and yeah, you make a good point, CJ, is that you know tribal sovereignty within itself. There sovereignty as as sovereignty is, no. And I was I was just reading that even within Christendom, uh, before the show started. Even within Christendom, within Christendom laws, the the in in the 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 old ways of doing things in your the European ways of doing things in their idea of Christendom is that you a, a smaller country could submit to a a nation under Christendom and get the their protection and maintain full sovereignty. But again, those things aren't afforded to us. Why? Because because we are not. Humans, we were considered subhuman. And so these are some of the things that, that directly uh, applied. And these were things that, that the United States government used uh, to try and uh, manipulate and to get uh, tribal land and, and, and also to, uh, to just to, to justify themselves as if they cared about native the native population. Uh, anything to add to this, Chris? Okay. 
So an example of this is uh, is this brother here, Andrew, because again, this this wasn't just the idea of the the, the elected officials, political figures, and these types of things. Uh, Andrew Myrick was was born in in 1832. He was a traitor to the Lower Sioux Agency at the time of the U.S. Dakota Wars, and is often considered part responsible. Uh, for the, for the start of the war, uh, when the Dakota leaders asked for the traders to extend more credit for the goods, hold on, I got to change my view here. Uh, for the goods, when annuity payments were late, uh, and the traders refused. So this is a quote that uh, Andrew, excuse me, said. For as long as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, if they, the Dakota, are hungry, let them eat grass or their own dung. And some of you, some of my native folks might be familiar, but actually this was, this was the start of what's known as the, the Dakota 38, the execution of the Dakota 38. And again, I'm, I'm not justifying the, the native people. Uh, the, na the native men, but we also need to see that see the whole experience within its light. Uh, so when the there was a group, and this is how most history is going to tell it, there was a group of several hundred native native soldiers who uh, they attacked the settlers, men, women, and children, and the United States government and they took, they, they took off and they fled and the United States government took them down. And then there was a, there was a, a debate between the, 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 the governor essentially of the Minnesota territory and, uh, and president Lincoln. And they had, a, they went back and forth and, and uh, negotiated how many of these quote unquote warriors, Dakota warriors should die because there was quite a few of them. So, because of political and all this stuff, they came down to the number, and this is extremely oversimplified. But the the story that they that they forget to tell is what Myrick was talking about was that there were payments that were that were late, there was rations and food that were constantly late and or rotten when it was delivered to the native people. And so they were starving. They were literally starving at the hand of the United States government because this was negotiated to them. This was negotiated with them, right? These people that we are going to take care of, you know, we're going to do this for you. But when it doesn't go to plan and then those people who are supposed to care don't care, then this happens to this day. The Dakota 38 is still the largest mass execution on American soil to this day. December 26th, right after Christmas in 1862. Under the great emancipator, right? Well, Lincoln was being coined as the great emancipator and all this stuff. Lincoln was, he, he was signing the Homestead Act, which displaced hundreds of thousands uh, of Native Americans. Um taking their land uh, under, quote-unquote, under treaty, but under duress. If you don't, then we are not going to supply. If you don't, then we will wage war upon you. 
So these are the types of things, manifest destiny, this idea, right? This idea, this ideology is still going through the years. Brother Chris, you have anything to add? So this is a picture of, uh, and I got this from uh, under permission of uh, my brother, Mark Charles. And uh, he, um, uh, I didn't get a chance to get the, 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 uh, the wars on here, but there's a, a, a deep concentration. And actually, um, before I move to this view, um, a great resource, and I know not everyone's going to want it, but uh, if you want to look in the Encyclopedia of Indian Wars, um, 1850 to 1890, there's a lot of great information. There's a there. It, it sort of puts each war into a little nutshell who was involved and uh, you know, how many people died and those types of things. Uh, so that's, that was a great resource. But if you, if you look at the map and you see where most of the wars were being fought, the American Indian wars between the natives and the United States government, you'll, you'll notice that there was wars all, all along all three of the major uh, railroads, the northern, the 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 mid, and the the southern, and a lot of these things were because they're trying to get resources and they're trying to get, um, they're they're trying to get resources and extract resources and bring it back to the east so they can further expand. And so, it was the formation of these railways that propagated and that that help originate a lot of these wars, these Indian wars. And so you can see away from a lot of the, along the way, there's reservations along a lot of these, uh, these, these railways because they're, they're removing them and they're, they're putting them aside so that way they can put the railway in so they can do the resource extraction. And they can also do the, um, they can do the building and the westward expansion. This was also a slide, and this was a, a, a very telling slide, um, and it, it has uh, brought a lot of, uh, just kind of a lot of heartbreak uh, in, in my life, and it's extremely um, troubling. Uh, and this, this also was, um, uh, I'm using this under permission of, uh, of my brother, Mark Charles, and this was actually, uh, he uses this slide in all of his lectures, but uh, this particular slide I, I took off of a lecture from uh, Fresno, and it's from from YouTube. I, I suggest you go and check it out. Uh, so, uh, Mark Charles, the Doctrine of, Discus Doctrine of Discovery, a lecture by Mark Charles in Fresno, California, on YouTube. But he he looks at this and he basically shows and compares the genocide uh, of these some of these major. Uh, historical genocides right the, you know when you think genocide you hear rwanda or when you hear genocide you think of hitler and nazi germany um but we what you don't hear often is the the genocide of native peoples and looking at just you know looking at rwanda from april 94 to july 94 uh it went from, he went they went from almost 1.1 million to 350,000 which was a 
uh, rate of genocide. You look at Hit Hitler and Nazi Germany, and you can see from 1935 to 19 or 1939, excuse me, to 30 uh, to 45, uh, there was a, a 6,000. Uh, roughly six thousand or six million, excuse me, um, decrease, and that was a thirty-five point two nine percent genocide rate. But if you look at just the dates from eighteen hundred to nineteen hundred, that's the what you know we've termed manifest destiny. Uh, from six hundred thousand to two hundred and thirty, almost two hundred and forty thousand. That's a sixty. 0.7% rate of genocide of native peoples. But you look at the overall, and this is an extremely conservative number by, by uh, my brother Mark here, uh, the discovery of Turtle Island. And after talking with him a little bit, he, he, he was looking at this and he said, um, you know, what I'm, what I wanted to do is I wanted to just ba basically go with the, the conservative numbers in the lower 48. So he's, he wasn't talking Canada. So you can add to that South, uh, you know, Mesoamerica and South America. He was just literally trying to take a conservative number for the lower 48 and those tribes. So his estimates are around 6,000, 6 million uh, at fifth, at in the year 1500, roughly. And that, again, that's a conser extremely conservative number. And you look at, 1900 documented native americans at 237,000 now this number is what it, it just it's disturbing so manifest destiny these people that said that this was god's ordained and were they doing it for the soul no oh, we're doing it for this we're sending the gospel to these people we're here to deliver the gospel to these people. We're here for their benefit. We're here for them. We God has sent us so that way we can save them. But yet there's a 96.05% rate of genocide. The year 1500, there was zero European and you can see uh, on, on some other charts and things, you can see the, the European population explode while the native population was in rapid decline. Manifest destiny? This was God-ordained? I mean, these are, I mean, this, this is, th this blows my mind. And I, I, sometimes it just, it, 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 it was really troubling when I was getting to these, to these portions of, and thinking through these things and processing. And I was telling my, my brother MJ, who's in the chat. And then I've, uh, I was telling my brother, Chris, uh, apologist in Detroit, like I had to take a break and just like, just sit and basically lament and grieve and take some time in the scripture and just, and really, because I mean, your heart can get calloused and bitter. And again, that's not my that's not my intent. My intent is not here to in, to try to enrage you. 
the the things that we do is is just not to sit here and try to enrage you so that way you become callous towards white people or towards any other people group no that's i'm here so that way we can we can you can be better educated as to why so that way you can sit down and have a conversation so you can become the educator and that's my purpose and that's my that's really my heart's cry that's really my heart's cry um and yeah my brother dusty here says you know he says it's right on you know that you know the, the reservations they weren't just reserved for a lot of them were prison camps you know um and yeah a lot of them are are made off of and out of old forts they were meant to keep us captured and surrounded until they decided and, and could figure out what, what they were going to do with us. So, yeah. So again, like these things, like we need to look at history. And again, this isn't, there is nothing, there is nothing in here that I'm revising because automatically what, what you're going to hear is all oh, that Phil Fox guy, he's a racist and he's just propagating CRT. But what am I revising? I'll, I'm, all I'm doing is just showing you the information. And hell, we're even giving you extremely conservative numbers here. And we're still coming up with this mass genocide. So what am I revising? What part is incorrect in any of this? When you start to hear... Oh, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. This stuff was so in the past, and 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 no, we're all of that is dead. Deal with the stuff. Deal with the information instead of hiding behind whatever fantasy land that you have going on. That's the challenge, and that's where I was at for a long time, brothers and sisters. And so, it is in. It is absolutely crucial that we deal with the information and we look at the information with our eyes wide open instead of hiding behind. And again, this isn't just a message for conservative anti-CRT folks. This is also a call. I don't want you to simply weaponize this information and go out and start beating people over the head. No, I want this information to be available to have conversations. So a plead and a cry to my native brothers and sisters all through the colonized world, please don't just make this a point by point thing that you can weaponize. No, I want you to look at this stuff so that way you are coming at it with your eyes wide open and we can have conversations with each other and get to a place where we are seeing each other as equals and especially through the biblical worldview and the, the, the true biblical lens, not the truncated escapism version of the gospel because that's not it that's not it anything to add brother chris yeah um and as you were saying you know uh this isn't to demonize one group and to you know uh, romanticize the other i mean um the reality is um if the 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 victors had been switched this talk would be pretty similar, likely just with the, um, the side switched. 
you know, who we were exposing and who we were um, trying to undo the 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 um, the narrative that the other side is is um, the side of God or the side of righteousness. Uh, yeah. So one is one is to like again, this isn't this isn't about, and then secondly, it's um, you know, and, and this is really more to the part of learning. If you have the if you have this um, uncontrollable unction to defend America, to defend the uh, to to defend the country, you know, I, I just ask the question like, why? Like like what is so great about America that you have to come to its defense? Because as Christians, as Christians, I'm not talking about secular people. I'm talking about Christians. Like, 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 are we supposed to defend God or are we supposed to defend, you know, the, our, our respective countries? Um, is, is our country, is, is there any country throughout the history of the world that's ever been so righteous that it has been the country of God? So to, to me, it's just, that's really where my heart is at. Like, why are so many Christians feeling uncomfortable learning about the history of America? Why, why is there internal conflict? The reality is, it's 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 probably because you you your heart towards America or your heart towards this country was inappropriate. Your heart should only be that way towards God. Should only be that way towards the kingdom of God. And 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 this country again, while we can we can have contentment in being this country, we should always have a desire to live in a, a country whose foundations and and architect God. Hebrews eleven. So for us, you know. It's, it's an opportunity for us to kind of look in the mirror and self-assess and ask ourselves, if I do feel uncomfortable, if this talk makes me feel uncomfortable, then maybe my allegiance is with America. Maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe I'm an American. And, and, and if that's the case, I want to let you know that salvation and hope exist. Rescue exists. And, and no other name under heaven but Jesus Christ. Uh, what is that? Uh, Acts 4.12. What other name under heaven can, whereby men must be saved? So, yeah, if, if, if this talk, if this history lesson makes you feel uncomfortable, maybe you need to check and see if uh, examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. And that's for you to do. That's not me telling. That's not for me to do for you. That's for you to do for yourself. So, yeah. Amen. No, I appreciate it. Uh, Brother CJ, I, I appreciate that, you know, this, you know, this discussion because, you <clears throat> um, yeah, because I mean, I, I've I've read CRT. I've I've been reading CRT. I've been reading a lot of uh, uh, CRT scholars, uh, both uh, CRT proper and some of the branches of of um, of native CRT. Um, you know, who are uh, you know, they're their message is nothing nothing to what most conservative anti-CRT Christians are propagating. You know, so <clears throat> that would be my challenge is before you label anybody anything, um, you know, go and read the primary sources instead of just, you know, being a squawk box for, you know, about so-and-so's position or whatever, you know, um, and just, again, just, just, you know, basically saying, whatever your pastor or, you know, or, or the, the things that, uh, you know, some of the more popular works like, you know, or people of it, uh, like Vadi Bakum and the, and, and the sort, you know? So, uh, but yeah, Chris, you got something? Tell them, tell them about GRT. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just for the record, um, I, I see CRT 
as a red herring. Right. Um, you know, Christopher Rufo self-professes that like he popularized this, you know, that he right. made it synonymous with like Marxism, you know, racism and, and, and such. Um, and I'm speaking in the most general sense, but, uh, you know, you can right. go, he, he self-professes that. So you can go look that up for yourself. We don't need CRT. We don't need intersectionality. The reality is Yahweh himself, Go if we go read the Bible, what is what is pure religion? Caring for the 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 the, the widows in in the um, orphans, right? James chapter was it chapter one? That has a long history in in Israel. You know Yahweh saying, "I'm the God of the fatherless, the for the foreigners. Um, I'm the God of the widows. You know, I'm mm -hmm. the God of the poor." Go read Isaiah. I mean, go read Psalm seventy two, right? And see who God, um, who who the psalmist cries out to God to how he cries out to God to endow the king um, in a way in what, what the king is to be oriented toward. Go read um, Deuteronomy 15, where Yahweh himself tells you where his orientation lies. Deuteronomy 8 through 15, very revealing passage of scripture um, where we kind of see the heart of God on full display. So um, like, I'm not talking about intersectionality when I'm describing oppressed groups because the Bible right. prescribes oppressed groups. Yahweh describes and prescribes um, remedies for oppressed groups. That's not intersectionality. Right. That's Christianity. That's, that's theology. It's biblical theology. You know, right. I don't need CRT to say that the system's is broken. All you got to do is go look at the, the, the Old Testament and see that Israel had broken systems. And it was one of the reasons that God judged them. Go read Isaiah chapter one and the indictment against Israel. So I really think that um, CRT is uh, is a red herring that um, and I'm not accusing you of this. I'm saying how I generally see it, um, right. how I right. played out. Um, I think the CRT is just a red herring that um, that. Uh, conservative Christian conservatives use to conflate so that they don't have to deal with the real issues. Right. They can conflate anytime we we mention something, they'll say if we mention an oppressed category, they'll go, "Oh, that's intersectionality." It's like, no, that's what the that's what the prophets, what Yahweh did himself. That's what the prophets did. That's what the Bible says. That's what the New Testament James says the same thing. So I don't need CRT. I don't need intersectionality. I've never read on either one of them because I don't need them. I am quite content when I'm talking about <laughs> biblical politics or biblical ethics, quite content just um, exegeting the scriptures. And, and, and my challenge to those who disagree with that is to say, okay, let's have a discussion. Let's go to a scripture and let's exegete that. And you tell me where this passage fits. You tell me where chapter one fits in the ethos of scripture. You tell me where the whole book is, where James is critiquing Rich Christians, rich Christians, and how they treat poor Christians, how they pay poor Christians, James chapter 5, how they neglect their brothers and sisters uh, and yet claim to have faith, James chapter 2. I'm saying I, that's how I kind of engage. And again, this isn't hostility towards you, my brother. Uh, I don't know you, so I can't, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, determine, you know, what, where you stand in kind of that range of how conservative <clears throat> Christians, so-called um, conservative Christians kind of hash these things out. I'm generally, I'm, I'm speaking in the most general sense, but yeah, I really don't, right. uh, like, to me, it's like, we don't need a conversation about CRT. We don't need a conversation about intersectionality. Let's just have a conversation about the Bible, biblical ethics, and let's determine how 
Christians should look at these things. Is should Christians still speak up for the for the oppressed? Uh, Proverbs thirty one eight nine to those without a voice. Should we still do that, or is that an antiquated, abrogated um, um, uh, biblical ethic? Is that no longer uh, relevant? You know, so yeah, so it's, you know, and again, that you, you uh, again, this is not towards you. I have no hostility towards you. I don't even know you, you know. So this is no hostility. This is just me, kind of getting on my milk crate and kind of, you know, expressing some of my frustrations when it comes to these types of conversations because right. I feel like they get hijacked so quickly with conflation rather than us just as the people of God putting the emphasis on the word of God and wrestling with how we should exegete and how we should um, practice Christianity as in light of what the Bible actually says. All right. Amen, brother. I appreciate that. Darren, Darren, my man, Darren, man, good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Thank you for stopping in. Uh, so yeah, man. Shout out to the Conscious Chicano too, man, brother. Good to see you up in here. So, uh, yeah. So he says he studied CRTU by Chicano. Yeah, Richard Delgado. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, I think I think there's enough. I think the biblical ethics. I don't I, like. With all due respect to to Mr. Richard Delgado, I don't think he he holds water to Mr. the, uh, the prophet Isaiah. I don't think he owes water to the law of Israel. You know, when I go into the law of Israel and the law of Israel is saying, hey, uh, Deuteronomy 24, make sure you pay your employees who are poor on a daily basis because they need that money to survive. I go into the law and see that the law is like, hey, you can't work your people, your indentured servants, your slaves. You can't work them endlessly. You can't work them more than six days. You can't you can't relegate them to a life of servitude through sla through slavery indentured servitude for life you at, at the end of six years it don't matter what the original debt was it's done year of jubilee they go free and when i say they go when yahweh say they go free they don't go empty-handed he said you make sure you give them some they re-inherit their family lands so yeah i think the biblical ethics um, we can't even begin to fathom the beauty and the grace and the goodness that exists in the law, in part because we don't read the law. <laughs> but once we start to read the law, we can really see the heart of God, because often Yahweh is speaking in the first person, expressing where his heart lies and the, and the things that matter to him the most and the sins that he is most concerned with, which, are, which is often exploitation and oppression. So, yeah. You know, I, I don't, you know, with all due respect to, to Brother Delgado or Mr. Delgado, you know, <laughs> Prophet Isaiah, you know, Prophet Jeremiah, Prophet Ezekiel, Prophet Malachi. These guys here tell the story well enough to where we can draw some of the same conclusions that Delgado might uh, rightly point out. But without, without any of the liabilities, you know, we ain't got to worry about anywhere Delgado got it wrong because God always got it right. Anyway, right. Step in milk cream. <laughs> Y'all know me. The people who know me know. Right. They know I can uh, talk about. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, yeah, we got a few. We got a little ways to go, but uh, I think we can we can get it going here within the next uh, couple minutes here. But um, <clears throat> but this, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on these uh, because these just shows, you know, and and again, some of the language that's used in the descriptions. Uh, and this is directly from the the army.mil website, Medal of Honor. This citation, so it's pub this is public information, public knowledge. Um, so again, some of the dates: 1865, right? 
the citation, he carried a message through a country infested, just absolutely infested with hostile Indians and saved the life of his, uh, his comrade en route. So again, this was, you know, uh, the, a member of the 11th Ohio Calvary, you know, um, again, Sergeant Company E, 7th Cavalry, you know, Wounded Creek, South Dakota. Um, citation, while the Indians were concealed in a ravine, uh, assisted men on the skirmish line and directed their fire, etc. And using every effort to dislodge the enemy. You know, but these were, some of these were women and children. You know, so again, uh, just the, the flat out, um, you know, just barbarism you know what i mean there's there's just no way to say it you know uh third calvary uh 1867 uh allegheny city pennsylvania uh let's see or that's though that was his birth excuse me uh dakota territory at slim butte um bravery uh dislodged some of the sioux indians uh from a ravine and i mean some so again uh, May, let's see, let's see, 11th Cavalry or 18th Cavalry or Infantry, excuse me. Uh, let's see, uh, Dakota Territory, 1867, uh, bravery, energy, perseverance involving much suffering, uh, through the attacks by hostile Indians, you know, deep snows, um, you know, so a lot of this stuff is, you can just, you can, you can see, uh, you know, just how they chose. And, and you, I mean, I would invite you to go and check it out. There was, um, there was, uh, there was a, a ton of, of these, these things that were these medals of honor that were given out. I mean, hundreds of them during the, 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 the time of expansion and the time of, 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 uh, of this, you know, what we call manifest destiny, especially 1850s, into the uh, 1890s, you know, a, a lot of it's concentrated in that time, a lot of these wars. Um, so, so again, you can go check some of that out, but I just, I just thought it was interesting. Some of the language and things that, that we, we see in this. Um, so again, this is just a, a, a reiteration of, uh, of um, Steve Newcomb's uh, his his excerpt from his bur from his book, excuse me. Um, that you know we were we were typically seen as backwards. You know we were typically seen uh, as you know impediments of progress. Right. Uh, shout out to Daryl Dixon. I appreciate you uh, for the for the super chat. I appreciate that, and uh, thank you for uh, for helping us out. And, and that's a major encouragement uh, in this work. Uh, so I appreciate you. Um, President Jackson, Andrew Jackson, 1833, uh, addressed to Congress. Uh, here's what uh, Andrew Jackson says. He said that tribes cannot exist surrounded by our own settlements. And the continual contact with our citizens is certain. They have neither the intelligence, the industry, or the moral habits, nor the desire of improvement, which are essential to any favorable change in their condition. Established in their midst of another 
and superior and a superior race and without appreciating the cause of their of their inferiority or seeking to control them they must ne uh, necessarily yield to the force of circumstances and ere long disappear this is a sitting president just outright right just outright saying these things right um, the commissioner of uh, the the annual report uh, of the commissioner of Indian Affairs in 1854, uh, as a Christian government and people, our obligations and duties are of the highest and utmost holiest character, and we are accountable to the Maker of all men for the manner in which we discharge them have faithfully employed all the means placed within our reach to improve the Indian race and preserve it from, from extinction. We can, with a good conscience and strong faith, leave the issue in the hands of our common father. That was at the end of his introduction as they went through and told them how these things were, were, uh, where, how all of, all of these reservations were doing and how, these, you know, all of the issues of, of the Indians were, were, were doing at the, and this is what, I mean, this is what they believed. A Christian government and people, they believe themselves of God. But yet they were allowing food to be late and, and the, the, the rations and the things, and then they were condemning them. And then also, uh, not only that, but they were clearing them out. They were clearing, this is right in the middle. This is right in the middle 1854 this is in the middle of the expansion period so they were actively pushing them out so they can build a railroad so they can they can speed up the process of manifest destiny good old john wayne it wasn't just presidents this is this is 71 this wasn't just long ago. This was 1971. Oh, I feel we did wrong in taking the this great country away from them, the Native Americans. This is from a Playboy uh, article, by the way, um, uh, that he was quoted in in, in May uh, 1971. But this was of the view of many. This is the view of, of many people, right? And just like uh, um. Uh, somebody had said in the chat, and I can't remember exactly where it was at, but, you know, it was, um, oh, yeah, that uh, one of the uh, games and polemics said that, uh, you know, the American the American public didn't necessarily agree with the Indian Wars, but they've seen it as necessary, you know. So, again, there's there's that double-handedness uh, in the in, in the way. So, again, here's here 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 it is again in writing. So I don't feel that we, what we did was wrong to taking this great country away from them, the Native Americans, if that's what we're asking. Uh, our so-called stealing of this country from them was just a matter of survival. There were some great numbers of people who needed new land, and the Indians were selfishly trying to keep it for themselves. Manifest destiny. You know, that idea. You know, the worst part about this is that's a bald-faced lie. Right. Like the Native Americans weren't trying to selfishly keep this land. It didn't become a problem in, 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 until the, the new settlers wanted to do things their way. They wanted to own mm -hmm. land. They wanted to 
push you off the land, take the land and tell you that you can't come back that you've been sitting on before them. It was because their way of life was different and they didn't want to compromise their way of life. So they imposed they, they impose their values onto them by adopting this doctrine of discovery, adopting this notion that God had elected them to take the gospel to savage people and right. and, uh, and and on a practical level, like, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Acosta said, oh, you know, this is just God giving his ugly stepdaughter to a, 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 a groom that'll take him. And this is the dowry of it. It was just right. a justification for their exploitation. It's a justification for their for for their actions, which was which was which anywhere else in the world is called genocide. Right. You know, so this is this is a that's the real sad part is like he clearly doesn't know his history because if he knew his history, he know no Native Americans were were getting along. I mean, like, you know, there's always like scrap mm -hmm. scrabbles and wars and oh, there's yeah. conflicts that exist because of, um, you know, language barrier and things like that and not truly, you know, having the ability to communicate, and understand. But for the most part, and even in spite of those challenges early on, there was much compromise and sharing going on. It wasn't until one side decided that their way of life and thinking and, and desires uh, were more important and valuable or seen in the eyes as God is more righteous than the others that this became, th this notion of them being selfish became this belief. Right, yeah, and that's very true. You know, yeah, it's just, I mean, there, there was a lot of ideologies and things that were backwards. You know, they were, they, it, it just, it's just a misin misinformation and propaganda and people, the people bought into it, you know, some of them willfully, some of them, you know, but again, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at history and things in a broad sense right now, but I mean, so, but it, it's, it is absolutely imperative that we, we, we look at these things and understand them and realize that these things have repercussions for today. And here we go, <clears throat> August 2021. Who have served through all the ages, have drawn inspiration from the book of Isaiah when the Lord says, whom shall I send and go for us? And the American military has been answering for a long time. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Ooh, send me. That's a picture right there. Woo. So again, there is, this stuff isn't just ancient history. This stuff has real repercussions of today. Now, yes, we look at how a sitting president of today, today, is equating us as call is as answering the call from God. Here I am. Send me. When it comes to our military, it comes to our power, but when it comes to addressing issues at home and all these things, and again, I'm not trying to make it po too political because I, I have my own views on those things, and that's not my point. But we need to we need to stop this idea that America is the chosen nation, and that. The people, the inhabitants of this land were simply pagans in the promised land, that this land was promised to us. There's there's some other quotes and stuff that I left on the on the cutting room floor. I may insert them later, 
but there is there there are sermons and things and and there's I've even seen videos. I seen this this uh, this priest that was talking about you know how do we make America great again? But I say, when was America great? When was America great? Was it ever great? And so and 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 again, this isn't a shot because guess what? I have military veterans in my family that I honor and and part of our culture even today. You look you look at the you look at the people that serve in the armed forces, the most represented as just per capita, we understand that we're we we are a small part of this of this country, a small percentage population wise. But you look at per capita, Native Americans have the highest the highest rate of active military service personnel. And we are the most represented when it comes to our population group. That says something. And again, I'm not saying that I, I, I know I'm, I'm completely, uh, uh, this isn't a hit piece on America. I'm trying to, we're trying to show you, we are trying to bring you this information forward. So that way you can even check yourself because we might have remnants of manifest destiny within our logic, within our theology, within our theology, fam. Because this isn't just an American problem. Oh, it's not just an American problem. This is a church problem too. And the 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 church in the westernized church at large has a completely skewed view of of a lot of these things and they don't even know it. They have a lot of cultural change they need to do as well. This isn't just a minority thing. And I believe this is how we're going to yeah, this is how this is how we're going to end. This is the this is the perspective and 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 this was um told to me by my brother Dusty Olson uh who was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he's still around. Um but this this shows this shows the um this show this is a this is him talking with a tribal elder and he dusty was telling me he said uh, when we were driving home to our our uh, our reservation uh the the fort brothel indian reservation aka the the mandan hidatsa and Arikara nation that's this is my home tribe uh, he an elder had told me dusty uh to pull over the side of the road and there was a large rock on the side of the road and a small path that went around the rock. And the elder said, you know the difference between us native people and the, the quote unquote white man? And D Dusty answered no. And the other said, if, if there was any value in seeing moving that rock, he said the white man would spare no expense to move the rock and to create a road and, and, to, and they would think to themselves, look, you know, look what I've done. I've moved that large rock and to, to create an easier path so we can get whatever is in the path of the rock so we can we can make even more riches. Uh, and he said this was the thinking of the white man when a uh, when a polished road is you know is not not necessary. Sometimes a simple path is all that's needed. but they look at our path and see it as too simple and not good enough. 
and um, let's see where I'm, where I'm at. It, it was is, that way with many of our ways. Yeah. They, the white man, told us that they were going to make our native ways better. Our ways didn't need improvement at all. We were just fine. Right. <clears throat> and so and I appreciate that, brother. And so I've been wanting to read all day. <laughs> my bad. My bad. <laughs> I know you, you sent it to me, too, and I, uh, <laughs> I forgot. But um, but no, I mean, this this is this is the flip side of that. Like like I said a little bit earlier, and I just made mention of it in passing, is that this boils down to a value proposition. And it's this isn't just um, you know, this isn't just two minority men trying to go at it for and and cause division in the church or call out white people or but this this is really what it feels and, and we're just reading it on paper but i remember hearing stories about this i remember hearing you know my grandmother telling me similar stories about when they went to boarding school how they were treated uh sitting down with elders listening to their stories um, just this past winter, I, I, uh, unfortunately, my my uncle passed away, but it afforded me the opportunity to go and visit with my my uh, my last living grandparent, um, my grandmother on my dad's side, and we were telling stories, and we were you know we were talking and conversing back and forth, and and I start telling her about some of the work that I was doing as far as the doctrine of discovery and the boarding schools and manifest destiny and stuff like that. And so I just asked her just, you know, very gently, you know, you know, would you be willing to tell me about your experience? And she clammed up. I mean, I've seen, I've seen some of the strongest people that I've ever known in my life. I've seen them bury children grandchildren, spouses sometimes, um, nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters. I've seen them uh, do all these things without shedding a tear, at least in public even. And, But I have seen in public some of these people morph into a respected elder, into a trembling five, six, seven-year-old when they have to relive their experiences in boarding school. This is today. These things are today. These things have direct repercussions of today in today's life and society. And this narrative of, oh, that was all stuff in the past and all that. And I know I've said it multiple times throughout this, this, this particular live stream. But I say it because it's important, because that's the narrative that dominant culture wants to tell. They want to tell us that these things don't matter because they were in the past. It doesn't matter. And you shouldn't feel that way because that was so long ago. And you don't have a right to feel that way because, you know, 
How are we going to you know, forget reparations? How are you going to how how are we going to figure that out? Oh, it's so complicated, but all that stuff it doesn't really affect you because you've never been impacted by this stuff. You haven't been impacted by this stuff. So how dare you say that you're hurt? But I'm telling you, this stuff is real. This stuff is, it's meaningful to a lot of people. And that's why I wanted to bring all this information forward. Is so we can stop the whipping. Because every time we say these types of things to to somebody who is a native or someone who is uh, who's a minority that has real trauma, because guess what, their grandparents lived it. My grandmother was a boarding school survivor. She raised me. But guess what I get to do? I get to educate my children and try to stop the the trauma because I understand it. A lot of people don't have that that understanding, which is why partly I'm doing what I'm doing. Is so that way we can heal and grow together. There was a tribal elder that told me one time, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with this, Chris, and I'll let you add some more. The, I had a tribal elder tell me one time, they said that healing begins with truth. And they said that this country will never fully heal because this country does not want to deal with the truth of the past atrocities that happened here. And that still happen today. So, Again, healing begins with truth. So, Brother Chris, tie a bow on it, add, add your last thoughts. Um, I want to speak to a couple of people in, in the comments. First of all, the conscious Chicano, like, I'm on your side, buddy. Brother, my brother, like, I, I do read history. Like, while, I, while I've, I have made the conscious choice not to read on CRT and intersectionality, um, I, I, that's a method. That's not uh, that's not me saying that I think that it's wrong too, because like I got tons of friends to do my buddy, my partner in crime that I do YouTube with Matthew Jackson. That's his bag. So I let him handle all of that. I, I, I come from a different perspective. Um, I go to a predominantly white church. It's it's very common for me to have conversations on these things. And I've, I've found by the grace of God, a great amount of success in helping people to see these things more clearly. So in that regard, just to be clear, I, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm what I'm not. I'm not saying that that um, I don't think any Christians should read it. I'm glad that there are other Christians who are reading it so that they can speak to it uh, much more effectively than I can. I just choose the method that I choose because the context in which I live in. Um, I, I I engage people who um, who are will be dismissive as soon as they hear CRT. So for me, it's like I avoid it. Because the people, that's a, to me, I, I don't want them to be able to dismiss me. So since they claim scripture as their authority, I'm going to show them how their authority speaks truth and speaks righteousness and, and adequately points out um, how we Christians should see these things. Also saw um, Slam RM was saying how like, hey, we got Jesus. Amen, brother or sister. I'm not sister. sure. Sisters. Amen, sister. Um, we we do have Jesus. But this is where I think that um, where we Christians um, 
you know, when, when I when I say I'm a King Jesus gospel person, what I'm saying is this, and I agree with you, CRT is a Marxist uh, conscious Chicano. I, I'm, I'm aware enough to know that much. And I do read history. Like I'm on, I'm on here with Phil, I don't read history, but because I do read history, I just specialize a little bit more in the history of racism, slavery and such, whereas Phil uh, uh, is, is more in the line with uh, Native American. So like together we, we address two um, atrocities, uh, two genocides that America has perpetuated against its own right. citizens. So yeah, that's where um, that's that's part of why I'm here. I do read history. I read a lot of history. Uh, that's it. Um, sister, uh, slam our in. Um, you know, you probably heard this passage before. Uh, it's Micah six and eight. Uh, this is what the Lord desires of to you: to walk justly, do mercy. Uh, right. Uh, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But yeah, you know, this is what the Lord requires. Like like we see Christianity as a soteriological enterprise. In other words, we think that the heart of Christianity is all about salvation. And I say that the Christianity is most certainly about salvation, but that's not the heart of it. The heart of it is, is a misiological enterprise. The story starts in Genesis with God creating beings and partnering with them and to rule over creation. The very first command in scripture, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, rule. So it's a partnership with God and ruling, and that partnership is supposed to be ruling in righteousness. But Adam and Eve, our forefathers, rebelled. They thought that that they had enough wisdom to rule without God. We don't need you. We don't need you holding our hand and telling us what to do. We can do it without you. That's how the Adam and Eve felt. And so that caused this problem of Christians, uh, of, of, of anti-human flourishing, us ruling in a way that's oppressive. And the rest of the story is God calling new lines of, of priests, people to partner with him to get back to the original enterprise. Uh, so, yeah. So while I, I, I that's that the good news, this this what we're doing today and in, in doing this presentation in part is helping uh, is doing what Christianity is all about. It's correcting the misconceptions, pointing out the evil and calling Christians. We can't call secular people because they don't claim Jesus is Lord. But Christians, Christians, mm -hmm. we can call Christians to do what God has called all of us to do. Right. And those commands like Micah 6 and 8 are still relevant today as they ever were. And if you look at Jesus claiming that his ministry is the perpetual year of Jubilee, go back and read Deuteronomy 15, see what Jubilee is all about, and you'll get a picture of why Christians practice social justice. And this is right. central to being a Christian, not some marginal thing. But yeah, right. Thanks, Ben. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, Brother Chris, uh, apologist in Detroit, uh, I appreciate you. I know you got to step away to get your uh, get her his puppy, but... Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so uh, fam, you know, uh, be looking out for the next uh, the next installment of this uh, the Roots of Racism Racism series. Uh, you know, we are going to, uh, and, and I mean, uh, Chris is always is, is always welcome. So depending on his availability at that time, Chris may or may not be back. But you know, I know that he always works to try to make sure that he's on with these types of things. So um, so yeah, and I, I appreciate your help, brother. And uh, you know, my pleasure and, to and be here on. and support and to share. You know, I knew we were doing doctrine of discovery, and while it does touch on racism a little bit, you know, I thought front and center is the Native American genocide. So I just wanted to be here to kind of share in small ways and read a little bit, and uh, yeah, and just share how um, you know the theology. You know, I know that I could still even like because I've I've read doctrine. I mean, I've read. Um, 
um, unsettling truths and uh, and Christian imagination and some of the same books that you're quoting here today. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots more to come, guys. Lots more to come. So, um, so yeah, I, I appreciate all the support, guys. And yeah, and conscious Chicano, you know, I appreciate you coming in, man, and and I appreciate your sure. work as well. He's done a lot of work from the uh, the like the Central American and South American indigenous perspective as well. So, so right. I appreciate that work and keep it up, brother. I had and, to get to know him. Am I friends with him on Facebook? I must not be. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I can't remember. What's your handle on Facebook, brother, so we can connect with you? If you're friends, yeah, yeah we can get, we can uh, figure it out on Facebook and connect. Yeah. 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 So, uh, if not, yeah, uh, I think, because uh, I, I think we're going to try to do a show together too. So, we got to work that out too sometime, brother. Uh, conscious, uh, the conscious Chicano, because he's got he's been doing a lot of that DNA stuff. He was on with Vocab not too long ago. Okay, on, on Vocab's channel, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, and again, fam, I, I understand and I know that this is a very, very. Oh, he's on Instagram. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, go check him out on Instagram. Um, but I know that this is a very, uh, very, very uh, challenging topic. And this is a, 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 you know, some of this information is going to be challenging for for some of our hearts and minds. So, uh, you know, take the time, uh, reach out if you have questions. Uh, I'll post my email in the chat. Most of y'all know how to get a hold of me anyhow. We're probably friends on Facebook and whatever, so you can check it out. But uh, you can get get at me at Mr. Phil Fox uh, at gmail.com and uh, gmail.com. So I posted it in the chat there, so you can uh, email me there if you have uh, if you have questions, uh, or if you you know you have any pushback or any of that kind of stuff, and uh, I can walk with you. Or if you want some of the resources that I've been pouring through, uh, but some of the main ones uh, have already been uh, they've already we've already gone through them. Uh, but just quickly, you know, the, Encyclo the Encyclopedia of Indian Wars uh, is a good was a good one. Uh, and change this out here. Uh, discovering indigenous lands um, by some legal scholars. Um, again, by another legal scholar, uh, Native Americans discovered and conquered by uh, Thomas Jefferson, Lewis and Clark, and Manifest Destiny. Uh, great, great work there. Uh, this goes through uh, Conquest by Law. Um, great book. Again, already, already in the pagans in the promised land. We've, you've, we've gone through this quoted a few times. The first chapter is, was mind blowing, but the rest of the book is, is amazing as well. So, um, so there's that, the book that, um, that Chris, uh, mentioned, uh, Unsettling Truths by Mark Charles and Sung Cheng Ra, The Ongoing Dehumanization Legacy of the Doctrine of Discovery. Um, this is a good book. And let's see. The Land is Not Empty by Sarah Augustine. Go and check that out as well. And then uh, there's also um, One Church, Many Tribes by Richard Twiss. And Rescuing the Gospel from the Cowboys by Richard Twist. Excellent, excellent books. 
and yeah, there's there's some more that I that uh, I could recommend and stuff. But actually, the the conscious Chicano he he uh, helped me out with some books too. Uh, recommend book recommendations. Uh, this is one I'm just starting now, but uh, the uh, Education for Extinction, uh, talking about the boarding schools. Absolutely, the first couple chapters were absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but it's all stuff we got to go through. Um, so, but yeah, there's, I mean, I have some, uh, Brown church, some actually addressing the church itself, you know, Brown church, uh, you know, rescuing, rescuing the gospel from the Cowboys, Indian givers which is another book. Um, uh, the American Holocaust, um, unworthy Republic. And yeah, there's, there's a whole slew of them, but those are the main ones. I'd probably say these are some of the ones that I was drawing from. And, uh, like I said, a ton, a ton of, um, uh, reading American Indian law and stuff like, and stuff like that. So, whew, Chris, I appreciate you brother and, uh, fam. Uh, we're going to close this thing out. So, uh, so I thank you guys for hanging in there, uh, this Sunday, afternoon and the evening and please don't forget uh go and check out bk apologist i believe he starts at nine um so go ahead and check him out uh they're going to be looking at some I, I can't remember i think dino and uh and adam no adam, is it dino cab and adam I think are they doing uh i see iuc iuic oh, yeah i think yeah, they're yeah. doing something on bishop nathaniel there we go yep so yeah, yeah go and check that out uh, and so the, 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 the boogeyman, the self-proclaimed yeah. boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> he right, should Sam. listen to my talk on the law. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Please do. Yeah. Elder Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah. Bishop Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Listen to that talk on the law. See if you <laughs> see if your perspective change a little bit. <laughs> All right, fam. We out of here. Thank you guys for stopping by. Thanks for hanging out with us. Peace.